we ain't gonna get into the, the interview immediately. Because uh, quite frankly, it'll sound forced. Yeah, I just jump into it whenever we we do. But we can just keep shooting shit if you want. Um, but uh, what I was saying, uh, comparative religion. So I learned a lot about um, African American history in terms of spirituality through comparative religion. And the reason I say that is because my teacher was Miss Autry. Miss Autry made me. She she before class started, she was like, um, "How do you feel about voodoo?" And I was like, "Oh no, you know, I'm I'm apostolic. I can't touch none of that. That's that's against God's word." And she was like, "Really?" That's, that's how you feel? And I'm like, yeah. She was like, somebody told you that? I was like, yeah, you know, it's, it's witchcraft. She was like, is it? I'm like, yeah. She was like, have you ever questioned it? And I was like, I did, but, you know, they just told me it was witchcraft. And she was like, so somebody told you it was witchcraft. And she was, you know, pulling the string. So I'm like, okay. She was like, I'm going to give you this topic. I want you to do a paper on it. She did this one-on-one -on -one with every student. She didn't, you know, pull religions out of a hat or anything. She took your personality. She sat down, talked with you, observed your personality, and assigned you what would be best. Um, we did it. Two paper. Oh, man. I love Miss Autry. If I could see her in the street, I'd pick her up and hold her and spin her around. Um, <laughs> but the two I did were uh, Buddhism and voodoo. And voodoo, as much as I love uh, Confucius, and Siddhartha, oh man. Doing that paper made me go back and read Siddhartha. I think I got the book up there somewhere. Oh, that man was on something. And I mean that in a positive way. He went from being this rich prince to being like, this ain't it. I got everything, but I ain't happy. My father's rich, I'm gonna be rich forever. But I don't understand how the universe works. What good is what good is it me to be on this on this country in this world and there's a whole galaxy of people that have different lives and different mindsets like how am i benefiting them if i'm just rich and just living my life like what's the point of that mm -hmm. so he sat under a bodhi tree and meditated for days and days and days and until he became the buddha took off his gold chain took off his good clothes i don't need all this all I need is a grain of rice. Well, not literally, but yeah, yeah, all yeah. I need is a grain of rice. All I need is just to eat, and I can I mean, do good. Ran into some monks who were uh, all about aestheticism, Bruh. and they were depriving themselves. They was eating off of the. They they would drink from a leaf, yep. from the leaf, and that that they thought that it was enough. And then he was just like, "Hold up, I don't think this is a this is it either. I don't think that's the answer mm -hmm. either." And, and so he brought in balance. Yep. He searched for balance. He found it, and you know they called him the one. My man, you know, same people. I know about My it, man. bro. I know My about man, it. Bro. I wish I had a teacher that would have guided me through that. But my experience was totally different. Really? Yes. Um, when I was in high school, um, someone introduced me to Christ. Uh, my brother Ladarius. Um, he did it aggressively because. Um, I was cussing a lot. I was a tormented <laughs> child. I was really, I, I was going, especially at that time in my life, because my mom, she she didn't want me, and my grandmama had to take me in to keep me from going to foster care. Mm. So I was a very angry boy. You know what I mean? Your mama don't want you. It's like, nah, I was right. just mad. So uh, I was cussing all the time, and he was like one of those guys who carried the Bible all around, and then one day he was just like, look, I'm tired of you cussing in class. <laughs> look, here's a paper about Jesus. Read it, say the prayer, <laughs> and come back to school safe. 
And then I ended up going to like the hospital because you know I got sickle. I had sickle cell at that time. Mm-hmm. I was facing death. That was like the first time I remember facing death in my life. I was like fourteen. It was like this time. It was like same same December. I was in Christmas in the hospital and everything. I had acute chest syndrome. Like it's a sickle cell kind of um, pneumonia. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of fluid in my lungs, and it was about to put a needle like in my back to try to get it out. Uh, yeah. But uh, it's high risk, and they said it, it might be fatal. But they would only do that if they had to. Um, so they were doing everything they can. They had me in the bed backwards to try to make me cough. To make up, it, oh, man. All, it, it was awful. I wasn't really expected to live. The doctors, the physicians that came in uh, would talk to my grandmama who was with me and tell them, tell her realistically like to expect me not to live. And so I didn't think I would make it. But anyway, I was watching this infomercial on the TV in the hospital. And you know, after, you know, BET Uncut, come oh, on. Oh, God! Yeah, mm. BET did God! Mm. <laughs> but anyway, like, you know, they came up. And when I went in, I still had my school uniform on with the prayer po- prayer paper in my pocket. And so they came on. I'm like this Jesus thing again. And I didn't really know. I wasn't raised in the church like that, by the way. I don't. I don't know. I, at that time, I didn't know anything about tradition. Only time I went to church was for Easter, a funeral, or something. Mm-hmm. It was not for me to be a part. For real, for real. Uh, didn't get deep enough in church for me to understand Christ and the purpose. Right. So I saw that and I just looked at the paper and I was just like, I guess if I'm gonna die, we'll see. Read the paper, and um, I don't know. God reached back out to me. And for that, I tried to, like, search for him. Mm. And I didn't search for him by, like, well, I'm going to just go and do what people tell me to do and just go to church and read the Bible and stuff like that. I went to church. I read the Bible, but it wasn't all I did. That caught me, like, okay, if this is God and he is real, then I should come to him. And I came to him, and I got curious. I said, okay, if everyone believes in God, why are these denominations exist when, when I found out what denominations were I'm like why do all these why do you exist you all believe in the same God right and so I went to every denominational church I wasn't a member of any church I just pop into a church and just listen to the pastor and stay around there a little bit until I get the feeling that okay I see what you're about and I go to Jehovah's Witness I go to Pentecostal I go everywhere you were the Ryu of yes. the church yes. I, was, I was really that I went to every church bro and um I learned as much when I got when I got my feel with denominations and understanding of why everything is the way it is mm-hmm. and the system. I even got so deep as to figure out like how every pastor like has a bishop. Yeah, you know, I got to the system. Like I even got through the system to see like how people become ordained. I I researched all that in high school by myself. No Google. <laughs> I did that hard research like a reporter, bro. Um and then um, eventually I just started crossing over into um, other religions. And the first religion I went into was Hinduism and Sikhism. Oh, and, man. Yeah, and um, and Buddhism. And I got to see why it's different. Because I used to think that Hinduism and Buddhism was like the same. <laughs> I used mm-hmm. to at that time. And then I realized that they, uh, Buddhism is kind of like birth from right. Hinduism. Hinduism is a lot like the Egyptian pantheon, where there's just like a whole collection of like beliefs and proverbs and stuff and just like a historical it's a, it's a cluster okay? it is. It's, a lot. It's, it's a lot so I just started diving into it and I started seeing similarities because I had immersed myself so deeply into uh, 
Christianity and Judaism, because Christianity and Judaism go hand in hand, even they though they don't like to admit it. The only difference is Jesus. They all derive from Abraham. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and even even then, like the attitudes, like the whole reason why we got these denominations. Islam too, actually, those three. All, yeah, they all together. Islam, they came from Judaism, Abraham. Christianity, you saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the same, bro. We just made some people mad, but they'll be all right. That's cool. That's <laughs> they'll cool. be all right. That's cool. Read the Quran. Look, they'll the go back and read and be like, "Motherfucker!" Exactly. <laughs> read the Quran, read the Bible, and read the Torah. I guarantee you, you might you might see one book that's right. in common. Right, right, right. Well, right. one book that's right. like the same, and everything else just kind of it just diverts from there because it all started from the same exactly. place. Exactly. It's crazy. His kids caused that. <laughs> that's crazy. Mm-hmm crazy it's crazy but it gives you perspective though it makes right. you understand uh really how great we are as human beings like how innovative we are you know how deep the web we weave is like it's deep it ain't just in a tangle but it's deep you know what i mean and how much more we are than the cultures that we live by there's mm. so much more than that and that's the learn that's a lesson that i learned when i was I, uh yesterday i was at um St. Louis Street Missionary Baptist Church. You got to say the whole name. Right. <laughs> you know how them churches mm-hmm. You got to say the whole name. But they do something incredible. I don't go there for the religion or anything like that. But um, they're, they're one of the few ministries here in Mobile that actually do what they're supposed to do. Like, they have a ministry that goes out and actively helps people in need. Oh, that's dope. Not just pray for them. Not have prayer circles and prayer moments and Bible study. No, they go out there and they feed you. They clothe you. You need some help or a place to stay. If we ain't got the money, you can come to us. Wow. And I'm like, yo, that's the point. Yeah. That's the point. The point is for us to be there for each other. That's all. You're right. That's the whole point. Like, none of that preaching, none of that stuff means anything. And at the end of the day, all you can do is pray for me. When you are capable of actually doing something for me, you're supposed mm. to be here. You know what I mean? And so uh, that's the reason why I like to be a part of what they do. I go out there and, um, and I only, only went just because uh, PJ had said something about Black on Black Rhyme doing like uh, a code drive every year and stuff right. like that. And um, I used to, before I got deep into the gene therapy thing, me and my wife used to go to downtown Mobile to uh, Wings of Life and stuff and mm. Mobile Public Library and just go out there and just Cause you know that's where a lot of them just hang out at, right? And so we'll go out there and just like just give them words of encouragement, food, money, whatever we could at that time. We did that for a while until my wife and her friend went down to Mobile Public Library and got ran away by the police. The police intimidated them and what? ran them away for. They said, "Yeah, this is what they call it, solicited." Oh or yeah, something yeah. like that. So they they ran them off, but like they did it like in a very intimidating way. My wife came back home like just upset. Mm. Yeah, like felt she felt violated the way they did it. She said they didn't have to do it that way. But ever since then, I mean, it's just always been in my heart. You know what I mean? That's the reason why I chose my career path. Like I'm going to try to be a black therapist. <laughs> like, mm. what I mean, because I see that's what we need. A lot of black people in our community, we, we have a huge amount of people in our community with mental health issues, mm-hmm. but we don't have anyone culturally competent enough mm-hmm. to help us with them. So that's what I'm trying to do. Man. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, coming from somebody who, I, I have the issue of, I, I, 
I've looked into therapy, but it's like, it's different when you see someone like you, mm -hmm. you know, and my, my thing is I don't have a problem with speaking, obviously. Yeah. But my thing is, if I'm going to tell you things that's going on, I want to feel like I'm not paying you to listen. I feel like I need to feel like uh, I'm, I'm talking to someone who understands where I'm coming from yeah, yeah, yeah. and are willing to kind of meet me there. I don't want to feel like, okay, I'm paying you now 59 and 58 seconds left. I don't want to feel that yeah. way. And I'm not saying that people feel that way, but first impressions are everything, especially yeah. if I'm going to invest my money into it. Cause yeah, 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 yeah. if I'm going to pay for a service, that's to better me. I need to feel, I guess, welcome enough to come back and keep doing it. I need to make my dollars make sense, yeah, I get, I you get know, that. and I understand investing in your betterment is a big thing, but I don't want to waste my money either. Oh. I don't want to go in feeling like I'm at a negative eight and walk out at a negative eight. You know, yeah. if I'm going to walk in and invest my money into you, I need to at least be at like a negative four, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we can get to the positive integers from there. But yeah, yeah. That's I, I think that's big. I think representation is everything because when I've looked into a therapist in Mobile, because I had a friend actually send me a list of recommendations, it was only one black male mm -hmm. out of like 20. Mm -hmm. And that kind of said a lot yeah. that either there aren't a lot of black men pursuing this field or there's not enough activity to keep you invested in that career yeah 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 it's a so. little bit of both it's a little bit of both uh there's not too much money in it mm -hmm. necessarily um you know it's not the most grandest job a lot of people they choose to go through like focus on research and medicine and stuff like that with it you know because it's more money but uh i got into it because i worked at alter point and um while i was at east point i saw the population and I saw the disparities in health that mm -hmm. people of color get because their their psychiatrists, their therapists are Hindu, Indian, or mm. Asian or white. And in their reports, they will describe some of the interests like in music, they would actually they will add those attributes to their condition, which is mm -hmm. false. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like one doesn't have to do with the other. Right. In those reports, you know what I mean. I was in the I was in the nursing station looking at their files, reading the DSM five book so I can compare. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I was like, I was like, like I was in high school doing journalism. Right. Like research is my thing. Like I, I love like just doing research and stuff and fact checking people. <laughs> right. That's my thing. You know what I mean? Uh, but I would just go behind because I you you grow to these people when you like yo right. they get up on their medicine or or when they get up out of the situation that they come from you can see the humanity and we objectify people so much that we don't see the humanity we don't we only see what they do to us and not what they mean mm -hmm. and you can only see what they mean if you listen mm -hmm. you know what i mean so uh i i was it pissed me off honestly cuz i would read these reports and I would hear the way they talk about these patients, and I'm like, you don't know them like that. You're not mm -hmm. even you're not even evaluating them the right way. You're not even evaluating them as long as you should. You should at least do it for six months before you even start diagnosing them. Before you even start saying you need this, that, and the third. They come up in here, they're not even here long enough, and then they still messed up, and you release them back out, and guess what? They go to jail, mm -hmm. and then they come right back to Eastport. Yeah, I saw that. So often, 
it made me sick. And the kind of character of a person that I am, I'm one of them kind of people, and I use this example all the time. I'm one of them kind of people, like, if I walk down the street and I see some trash, I pick it up and put it in the trash can. You know what I mean? You either going to pick it up and put it in the trash can or complain about it and say, ooh, these people around here dirty. Mm. So which person are you? I'm that person who will pick up the trash and just put it in the trash can so to make it a little bit more clean. You know, I'm not going to go around just picking up trash and just, like, right. cancel my plans. It's like, oh, it's messy out here. <laughs> I'm not that. I'm not like that. But uh, if I'm along the way, like, you know what I'm saying? If I'm along the way and the trash can is right there and there's trash, I'm going to pick it up instead of complaining about it. Because complaining just means that you wanted somebody else to do something that either you're not capable of doing or you don't want to do. Mm. So just do it and the problem goes away. Damn. So that's the kind of, that's the kind of attitude I got. And... It's a long road. I still got a ways to go because my schedule is crazy with work and family and kids. So I can't take my classes like I want to. But when I graduate, I'm putting my boots to the ground and I'm helping as many. I'm, I'm helping as many people as I can now. But you know, you got to have a certain. There's a certain level of credibility that comes right. with a degree. And um, and and I can't wait till I get to that level. But that's that's my goal. My goal is to be. Uh, one of those pillars in the community to just help people in their lives so they can be stronger for other people. You know what I mean? Because all of us have value and you don't really see your value until you serve. Mm. You don't see your value until you serve. Not until somebody says you're valuable, and, uh, but, but until somebody says, hey, I need you. When someone says, hey, I need you, that's when you feel valuable. Mm -hmm. So when I help you enough until the point to where you start seeing your value and how you need it, like, hey, man, uh, can you do this, that, and third for me? That builds up confidence. You know what I mean? So, uh, and about what you were saying earlier about about that, like a lot. Once I get to a certain level, once I get my doctor and stuff, uh -huh. <laughs> uh, I, I can open up my own practice and I can set my hours however I want. That's true. You know what I mean? So, and I can set my prices according to you know what I value myself as. It's, it's up to me. I have total autonomy over that. Right. You know what I mean? And I promise you, you wouldn't come in my office negative eight. And leaving on negative eight, you know what I mean. I, <laughs> I mean, I've been to a therapist here too. We went to um, I forgot her name. It was a Caucasian lady. Uh, me and my wife went. Uh, we just needed an arbitrator because sometimes you need right. an arbitrator yeah. to be like, "Hey, this is what he's saying. Right. This is what he just objectively say when I'm trying to say take the person out of." Yeah, you know right. what I mean? Because egos clash, yeah. pride gets in the way, and then and you're not hearing what I'm trying to say or what I'm actually saying. The communication you get lost in translation. Yep. So you just you need somebody there to be like, ha, ha, ha. Right. And you know you need that. So I was looking. I I, I did the same thing you did. I was looking hard for Bruh. somebody who was like African American. Couldn't find them. Mm -mm. It's not a lot of representation there here. It's not a lot of representation at all. And it is so needed. Yeah. Not just in therapy, <laughs> but in politics. Mm -hmm. It's needed everywhere. I just found my position, and that's what I'm doing, because that's what I'm here for. I found what I'm here for, at least. Man. And, and it's kind of funny. I think that derives from your journey of mm -hmm. having to be brought back to the source of... Uh, servitude you know uh serving your fellow man because i think and this is just me being hypothetical we we talked earlier about comics and the grand arc of your story because you're the the main character of your story you had to be brought to the precipice of death to 
be brought to the realization that you wanted to seek truth in your own fashion. You didn't want it to be recited to you. And I think with you taking that path and seeking your own truth and doing things your own way, you got independent. So you were like, okay, in the terms of knowledge, I'm going to do what it takes to get to from point A to point B. And I think you giving back is kind of the same narrative. It's kind of like your character trait at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, um, certain people just take the knowledge as they can get it. Other people go and seek it. Just like you sought God, you're, you're seeking that representation, you know, of leaving your imprint, your legacy, man. That's dope. Not a lot of people talk about this type of stuff one-on-one, man. <laughs> real talk, real talk. You know, most people, and this this is what I, I tell my girl all the time. This is why I love doing what I do, because sure, we can sit and talk comics all day, but it's it's different to talk about philosophy and your own your own truth, your own theology in a way, you know. Uh, it's kind of like the the book of Lindrick that you're, you're sharing <laughs> with us. Real talk, you know. Uh, and is always interesting. You know, your perspective on certain things is always enlightening, even if I may not necessarily agree, but I enjoy hearing someone else's view on everything. You know, we might talk about that water bottle. You might see the name brand, what I'm like, well, I see it's just recyclable. That's all I see. But, you know, it's just interesting to see what you see and compare it. So That's all that matters, man, because reality is irrelevant. Perception is everything. You know what? And with that being the case, perception being everything, the more I realize that truth is not truth. Truth is just a a perspective. Truth is just what it is to you, how it relates Mm -hmm. to you. That's once you realize that you can open your mind to other thinking processes. You know, you can from from that once you once you realize uh, what perspective is, then from there, it's not about understanding, but about respect. Yes. Because I've reached my limit of understanding here because we we both can't see the same thing. Mm-hmm. You see something different. You see recyclable. I see water. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And my experience is different. I'm actually drinking the water. You're observing the water. Right. You feel what I'm saying? So from there, all we can do is just respect each other's experience. Exactly. So understanding why you see a bottle and why I think it's water I can I can argue and say it's because I drunk it. Right. It's it's drunk it. It's water. It went down. It's like well, you didn't drink it, but it just looked like a bottle. It's gonna be recycled. Right. Right. <laughs> I gave it to you. I know what it is. Fact. You know what I'm saying? We can go to back and forth all all day, but that water is still gonna be water in the bottle that is recycled. It's both. Right. It is every perspective. Right. It is not just one facet. It is every facet that makes a diamond. Man. So. With, with that being said, respect is really the currency, the mental currency that we use to keep, that we should use, rather. I ain't mm-hmm. saying we use, we don't, not always. But it's a mental currency that we should use to to actually further our own knowledge, to further our own experiences mm-hmm. in life together. You can't do that beyond that. I don't understand everything, but I respect. You don't understand, you know, I, don't, I never created a gun. I don't know how a gun necessarily works for real. <laughs> I know it got some gun popped up in there, a little bullet thing, the thing goes off, I boom, it's right. like a little small little cannon or what have you. I, that's that's about all I know. You know what I mean? But I respect it. Mm-hmm. I respect it. I may not speak the same language as the president of Mexico, but I respect his power. Mm-hmm. You feel what I'm saying? So so it's different levels of respect and you just got to respect things for what they are I respect that as being a controller I'm not I don't care how you look at it it is what it is mm-hmm. at the end of the day so you let it be what it be 
Man. And uh, with that, I think that's an excellent way to kick this thing off. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to another episode of A Business Minute. I'm Sir. Y'all know who I am. And today I'm joined by... You know what? I'm not even going to introduce you. I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Okay. <laughs> well, I am Ledrick Holmes, a.k.a. Passionate Poet hey. of uh, Black on Black Rhyme. Hey, shout out. Um, Step to the mic. <laughs> mic check. Hey. <laughs> Uh, well, we do a lot of poetry here in uh, Mobile. One of the poetry troops here in Mobile, and um, I don't know. It's been a lot of stuff going on in my life. I'm still figuring out who I am. December 11th of this this year marks the first year I've ever been sickle cell free. So happy anniversary, bro! <laughs> thank you, thank you. Mm-hmm. I'm one years old cellularly. You're right. You know what I mean. <laughs> so it's like this whole year has been like crazy and trying to figure out who I am and refer reforging my path because I couldn't have an identity necessarily. Well, you could have an identity, but it wasn't really what my ambition had. It, it didn't mm-hmm. satisfy me living with sickle cell because I was always in a hospital fighting. A lot of my time was dealing with fighting that disease and trying to be normal, uh, trying to be normal, but I couldn't be. Now I got to be normal for a year so. I don't know what to introduce myself as. Hey, you did a good job just then. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be a future therapist. <laughs> hey, yeah, you know. A future therapist. Uh, but other than that, right now, I guess I'm just here as a poet and a fellow intellectual. Hey, I enjoy those. Now, um, given a little backstory, uh, when I met Linger, I'm going to go back and tell the story how we met up at the church. Uh, um, so there was a poetry event that I was popping up at. I had seen online that was held in Daphne uh, by Queen the Poet. And uh, I was like, let me just pull up. I'm just, I'm not gonna tell anybody I'm coming. Cause you know, a few of my podcast mates were there and they were gonna be performing. And I hadn't seen them in about two months. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go to Daphne, I'm gonna go. So first off, my GPS lied to me, sent me everywhere bet where I was supposed to go. So I finally get there and I pull up and I see this red vehicle pull up beside me. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I guess they're coming to the same event. And then this gentleman jumps out. We're both walking to the door. And we just started talking. That was you and I. Mm-hmm. And um, you were telling me, I was like, hey, man, how's it going? And you was like, man, long day. And I was like, let's talk about it. You know, we, and we, we literally sat out there. I don't know how long we were out there. We was out there for a minute just talking life and just everything about it. And uh, I knew who you were, but I just didn't say I knew who you were because I, I had seen you on the news. I, of course, I follow Black on Black Rhyme. Um, and I was like, man, this is really dope. I, I got to get him for a business minute interview. And um, we, we later went in, uh, had a good time. Uh, that that poetry event was hilarious. It, 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 was, it was so it was, funny. <laughs> you know uh, what I'm talking about. I know you're talking about. <laughs> we'll talk about it after uh the the end credits but um but yeah man i i I enjoyed uh hearing your piece speak that was my first time hearing you spit actually and um the piece you shared was about the physical pain and and talking about the the line you walk between life and death and at the end you came out a superhero and um another thing i liked is that while we were talking there was another gentleman you were acquainted with that i i had never met and um he was having a real rough time. And it was funny, you and I were talking and I was having a good day. You were having a tiresome day, but from the way he was telling his day, he was just, yeah, over it. right, he was done. He, he was out of it. And uh, 
I like to say that we kind of spoke life into them. Like, just let them know, like, that pat on the back that we were talking about just now with therapy, that sometimes you just need a black man to come to you. Hey, bro, you're going to be fine. We've been there, you know? Yeah. You, you, you're going to make it. And after you did your piece, you pointed at him. And uh, he just nodded, you know, and I, and I, I, I it, it choked me up in the back. I was like, whew, man, mm, felt that. To see a black man help a black man emotionally, you know, is it, it, we, we all about bravado. You know, we, I could physically help you move. Yeah. You know, if you, you about to move yeah. to a new apartment, all right, Jeremy, come help me move. All right, let's pick up the couch. Let's get it. That's easy. <laughs> yeah. But when somebody's hurting on the inside and to be able to, I guess give them that reassurance that's gonna be okay. Like the to pat them on the back, to be there, to help them emotionally carry that load was everything. Like yeah, I, it, it was beautiful, man. We talk about black love between a man and a woman being beautiful, but to see a black man be support to another black man and tell him he can make it is is something that I think we don't shine a light on enough. So I want to give you your flowers on that because that that was amazing, bro. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. You gonna have to, you don't need a whole lot of flowers. You hear me, man? Cause that's that's my thing, man. Uh, I I I was raised by a lot of strong black women. Mm-hmm. Crazy, but strong. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy black women, you know, but very very strong. And um, in that, it's like emotions were a muscle. Mm. It wasn't a weakness. Uh, I mean, because. It's easier to be dismissive mm. than it is to address an issue, and 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 then once you address the issue, it's easier to explode into itself that you can't change it. So so through practice, of course, because you don't just learn this overnight. No, you don't. Uh, I gradually just learned like the loophole. One of the biggest loopholes we have in humanity is with our emotional intelligence. So uh, wherever I see, and that wasn't the first, won't be the mm-hmm. last, you know, wherever I see anyone in need, especially a black man uh, in, in need of emotional support. Uh, I don't know why, but it's like, I really feel like it's a gift because I don't always, you know, I don't have like a set of things and stanzas that I just got saved up, written to spit to anyone, but it's just in my heart to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And uh, I weaponize myself with vulnerability uh, because I know how strong I am. You mm. know what I mean? When you when you lay yourself bare, <laughs> when, what I mean, when you lay yourself bare, whatever enemy, whatever the enemy throws, whatever darts, whatever bullets they shoot or what have you, and, and you feel that pain, that's one, one thing you're gonna say to yourself. That's all? Mm. That's all? And once you get to that point, like that's all I'm gonna feel. This this is just, that's worse it can get. Then it's not that big of a deal no more, and it's easy to let go. But I'm with you there. Like we don't see black men emotionally support each other a lot. We do see a whole lot more bravado, and that's our way of emotionally supporting mm-hmm. each other is by by doing that. And I don't know what is just you know what they say toxic masculinity or homophobia or whatever maybe it's a cultural thing what have you but i feel like if we were more comfortable or more uh confident in how we feel i feel like we would do it 
Mm-hmm. But because we're not comfortable right. with how we feel, we just don't. So I don't think the desire, I, don't, I think the desire is there for black men to, to be there for each other and just available to the world. You know what I mean? The desire is there, but uh, it's just scary. Mm-hmm. And fortunately for me, I face a number of times. <laughs> right. And so uh, me facing my emotion as, as uh, it's not an easy thing, you know what I mean? But it's all I had to do. You know what I mean? Uh, that's all I had. That was, that was hardly anyone that I argue with. You know what I mean? And I think everyone has that. That's hardly anyone that I argue with when you make a mistake or mm-hmm. something happens to you. So you have to infer within yourself what's where to go next. And if you can't find direction within yourself, that it often can lead to suicide. It mm-hmm. can lead to just self-deprecation and a whole host of issues. But... Um, yeah, I, I feel you there. I got saying a whole bunch of saying no, that that um that that's 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 my that, that's what I want my life's work to be. Not necessarily specifically just for black men, but just for people. Like I feel like we we need emotional intelligence here. Just mm-hmm. to be mindful that everyone else has they're created just as intricately and delicately and valuably as you. <laughs> or you know what I mean? So right. that's important. But yeah, I, I think that goes back to your previous point about the, the respect being the currency mm-hmm. for that communication, because a lot of times, unfortunately, and this, this is probably a generational thing, that respect piece between male and female and even male and male, an aspect of emotional intelligence isn't there because it's not encouraged. Mm-hmm. There's often, uh, you know, we, we shy away from it because it feels awkward. I, I'll be transparent here. I suck at verbalizing how I feel, which is why I attach to poetry so well. Being able to write down and craft something beautiful out of something horrible is wonderful. It's it's my own form of art. Um, And so being able to understand, I think that I don't do well verbalizing. So give me a moment. Let me write it. I can make it make sense and then present it is my own way of developing my own uh, social and emotional intelligence as far as communicating it because it's too easy to be dismissive and be like well I don't communicate well and just sit there with your hands crossed okay what you doing about it are you trying other ways you know and and I found that in art as well which is why you see a bunch of these paintings around here you're right man look I love doing something with my hands it's Taking something Hold that... Wait, I, so you did all these yourself? Yeah, except the Iron Man in the back, man. That's not me. I wish. That's what I'm trying to get, but everything else, yeah, that's me. That's pretty dope. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. After did the Watchmen one over there. I don't know if you've seen that one. Yeah, I did yeah, see that one. That, that one. A lot of people didn't catch on, but when, when people walk in, they're like, aha, you know, uh, a lot of people know who that we is. We was already talking about right, it, so... Right, right. <laughs> so when I saw it, I was like, yep, no. Uh-huh, Makes right, sense. right. I'm a... We're going to watch that today and see what she think about it. Oh, you're talking about the series? Uh, no, no, not the series yet. We're going to watch the movie first. Okay, so she have not seen the movie? Mm-mm. So we're going to watch the movie, and then we're going to watch the series yeah, so yeah, she yeah. can, you know, yeah, yeah. see how it plays out. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I take pride in being able to take my baby steps. And, you know, it's like a journey, just like it we is. was talking about earlier. It's like it is. for the longest I've been emotionally eight years old, and I'm 32 now. And I realized that in order to convey how I feel and to get further with the relationships with people, I need to be able to communicate emotionally like an adult. So 
I say I'm no longer at eight. I'm probably 12, 14. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm okay. progressing. Okay, so you I know. know what your next stage is then. If you emotionally 12, yeah. you got to get past Oculus. Oh, bruh. <laughs> bruh. Bruh, I'm saying. Bruh. I'm saying, uh, and, and you know what? A lot of people are emotionally 12. Um, me and my brother, we, we joke about this. Me and Ladarius, we joke about this all the time. We call ourselves LKs, lame kings. <laughs> Yo, people called us lame so much in high school. We said, okay, well, we gonna be the kings of it. Mm. And so, and so we call ourselves lame kings, and we like relish in awkwardness. See, sometimes when you get see, a lot of people don't 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 really just just think about this and got this perspective. But emotions, there's no right or wrong to emotion. There mm-hmm. is no up or down. There is no direction really. It just is what it is. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's not going to be. A lot of times, it's not going to be compatible to your environment. Mm-hmm. There's never going to be a context for you to be able to say what you feel. Mm-hmm. There's never going to be a context for you to be able to communicate where you are right now. So you gotta make it awkward. Hmm. It has to be awkward. You just got to get it out there, and you might fall on your face. It may, it may be a little. People might look at you a little bit different. They'll get over it. They'll get over it because because they don't see or remember that experience the way that you will. You gonna be the only one that's gonna be beating yourself up like that. Everybody else gonna be like, dude's kind of weird, but he cool. Mm. And you know what I mean. So so it's okay if things are awkward. It's okay if things are weird for a moment because those are moments for a reason. They don't mm. last. And then as you as you emotionally mature, uh, as you emotionally mature, then um, you'll just realize it's just like a pattern. You get used to it after a while. You get comfortable with it. You get a little stylish with it. I'm stylish with my awkwardness. <laughs> I'm stylish. My wife don't like it. Like I would say something uh, that's completely inappropriate, on purpose, boldly and proudly, to observe and look at people's reaction because I just like watching people. Scream. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because people's egos are bigger than reality. You know what I mean? It's true. That ego be huge in the mud. You know how that saying goes? Well, your eyes are bigger than your stomach. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Your stomach is only so large. Your eyes can take in a whole lot more. Your ego is the same way. Your ego is like, the whole world was made for me. And look, you a little speck. Right. <laughs> you a little good speck. Good point. Damn good point. You a less than a speck, actually, in the grand scheme of things. Right. Because you can't even see your own from a, from a galactic. Like, what? That's humans. Well, what does a human look like? Uh, you got to get a microscope to see us. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? So your ego can get bigger than reality, and it just puts you in a ditch. So in order to get you out of that ditch, you just got to get dirty and get ugly and get funky. And then eventually you'll get used to it and then you'll wash yourself off and put yourself back up out there again. It's, it's crazy. It's funny you, you brought that up because that, that emotional awkwardness is kind of like my quicksand. If I'm a four-wheeler going through this path of life that's a, a desert dune, I'm currently in quicksand with this awkward phase. And I'll explain. For the longest, I'm a worrier. I, I check on people because I'm an empath, kind of. Um, through most of the trauma that I've experienced, I've kind of detached from humanity, that love of humanity a little bit. And I'm trying to get it back. You know, I'm doing certain things, not as a gesture of what a human should do, but because I genuinely care. For instance, I have a friend whose mother was ill and went in the hospital. And mentally, I was like, I want to check on them to see if they're good. But I would think of all the factors around it. Is it a good time? How should I word this text? 
Uh, what if they're at work? Uh, what if somebody else has their phone? These are literally the factors that go in my mind before I send a text message. Yeah. And when I send it, I'm like, man, I will find a n 99 things wrong with what I sent. But it's meant, you know, with the, the best intentions. Yeah. And then when I get the response, like you said, it's either going to be awkward or it's going to be okay, cool. And usually it's okay, cool. And this person was like, yo, thank you for checking on me. I really appreciate that. And I was like, whew, okay. I, 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 can, I can do this a little bit more. Yeah. But I think my problem is for every one person that's like, cool, thank you. I'll have that awkward experience and it'll make me take two steps back. It's like, yeah. uh, I don't want to uh, do it. Just keep going forward. Uh, of course, you already know. I ain't got to say it. You're overthinking. <laughs> I am. Right. You're overthinking. It is not that, that serious, man. You just put yourself out there and it's up to them from there. You got to be true to you. You know what I mean? There's no disappointment graver than a disappointment in yourself. Mm. You can disappoint yourself. That sticks with you. When you disappoint someone else, they'll forget about it. Come on. <laughs> we, we live in an era where... What used to be what would trend for a decade, like mm -hmm. the 60s, the 70s, and 80s, that trend, that trend would last for 10 years. It only last for like a month or so here. That's true. <laughs> My grandmama was wearing bell bottoms and stuff, you know what I'm saying? Like that is true. You know, and then that that went for like a whole decade, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, they got something new. You know what I mean? And now it's like last year was a totally different year. I don't that's even true. remember anything. There's no hallmarks. It's, what what happened that was so memorable for last year for real? Can you just tell me off the top of your head? I can't. Exactly. We are overwhelmed with information. Overwhelmed with just just overflooded with it. So making yourself avail availability is key, bro. That's gold. Just put yourself out there, man. Give people a chance to love you. And then uh, at, at, at top of that, on top of that, you know. They don't know you if you're always trying to crap up and whiff up the best version of yourself. They don't know you. That's true. They know what you crafted. Mm. That's how they know. Forgery. They know the product. <laughs> right. Mm. They know the product, what have you. Man, it's okay, man. It's all right to be be wrong and to feel awkward. and All that is fine, man. But you're going to get through it. <laughs> you're going to get through it. That's know? interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. Nobody ever conveyed it that way before. Cause you're right. We're we're, it's it's so much information in a week, like. Cause I'm thinking not like for instance this impeachment thing, this is, nobody be thinking about this like what two months from now they're not even gonna be worried about it unless they they actually legitimately plan on right. moving him from office. Right. Then it's gonna be like that. That'll be a historic moment then, yeah. and everybody will be talking like that forever. Right. <laughs> yeah. Is he gonna be the first president ever to be removed yeah. from office? That's true. That would be something. Yeah, yeah that's unbelievable because it means Republicans will have to flip. Which I don't see happening. I do not see there being enough Republicans to flip to remove him. Somebody see. made a good analogy. There was like, because of course everybody was saying the impeachment and everybody just for some reason thought that meant he was out of here. No, he still went to work on Monday. Um, <laughs> what somebody made the analogy is that impeachment is when a girlfriend has presented the evidence oh, yeah, to break up with someone, but presented it to his frat brothers. Yeah. 
that's impeachment. And I was like, wow, that is exactly what's going on. Because them niggas is not finna flip on Trump. They that is that. not finna happen. Yeah, them supporters are talking about civil war and I Bro. don't Bro, oh yeah, it is definitely high it's, time. It's, I don't want them to die like that. See, the Neither. crazy thing is, Trump supporters are loud. You know Very. what I mean? A lot of them are loud. Uh, a lot of people like us who are just like, I don't care for it. We quiet. I don't really have to say anything. You make it a fool for yourself. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Roll back the camera um, a decade from now. Everybody gonna be talking about how foolish you look. All right. So by then, ain't nobody gonna have no emotional attachment to it. Ain't nobody ain't gonna be invested because it's gonna be a whole nother era, and they're gonna look at it objectively and be like, "You look kind of stupid." Mm -hmm. So it don't need for me to argue with you. What am I arguing for? That's true. You doing everything? Come on, you know what you're doing. Because yeah. if I was doing it, you'd be like, "You stupid." Mm -hmm. Yeah. Of course. Like if Obama pulled anything that Trump has been pulling, boy, they would have been and got him out. Not not just impeached, but got him out of the office. Right. That was. He was a top screw there, man. I'm talking about they had a magnifying glass, a telescope, and a microscope looking at this brother. Bro, <laughs> I remember he wore, I think it was still his inauguration, he wore a brown suit, and they lost their oh, yeah. mind. Yeah, 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 yeah. They went, it wasn't even brown, I think it was tan. They lost it. I mean, Fox was going in on them. He's such a disgrace to the culture. I'm. What? Yeah. A suit, bro? Bro, but a suit. Eh. Yeah. It's mm. different, but but yeah, you're right. I mean, well, it's it doesn't it doesn't last. So we 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 are way too hard on ourselves. Yeah, you're right. That embarrassment is a fleeting moment. It's very fleeting, man. And it's it is amazing how quickly people recover from it, bro. Like that is true. It's amazing. And, that and, is you know, true. And I know that from experience. <laughs> I know it's from. I literally like sometimes I just do it for fun. Now, like I said, I, I got I got swag with my awkwardness. You know what I'm saying? It's just it's fun for me because uh, people who try to make a bigger moment out of it or try to define you according to whatever that experience is with you or what have you, even they have a hard time trying to just pin that to you. You know what mm. I mean? And they only doing it because of something personal. It ain't got nothing to do with you. If they do, it's because they got something deeper within themselves. Like I could never do anything. Self identification. Like I could never. So it's like an envy. Yeah, of... yeah. It's like I would never have the freedom. I don't think I could wow. ever get away with doing that. And because of that, the audacity of you to do it is the reason How why dare you be to... free. Yes. Ooh. So they would try to pin it on that moment on you and define you by that moment. But everyone else, who you know, they don't care. <laughs> don't care. You know. Hmm. Damn. Okay, that's crazy. Most hating is the the hate of you daring. Yep, just being audacious. The audacity of you to do yeah. such and such. The audacity. That's crazy. Because I could never see myself doing that, and you seem like me. I'm so afraid, <laughs> and you're so brave. So I yeah. hate you for it. Yep. Damn. It'd be different if you was outside of the culture, right? I mean, like if you was white. If you was over there doing yeah, that. If you was over there. And you wouldn't participate in the coaching that happens, then I could say that the odds were in their favor. You know, you had stress mm. or something like that. But if we come from You were the privileged same, to do yeah. it. How dare you yeah. be better than me with the same yes. circumstance? Wow. Yep. And it happens a whole lot, especially here in Mobile. Like that that's a part of the crab bucket mentality here in Mobile is that we come because I'm from Gulf Village. Yeah, from Pritchett. Yeah. From Gulf Village. <laughs> I don't talk like it. I don't. I don't act like it because I chose. 
I cho- I forged my own identity. I didn't let my environment choose Same. for me. Same. Bill. You see what I'm saying, brother? You see what I'm saying, brother? Mm. I I have we we come from a genome that long spans the the lifespan of Tomaville and Pritchett. You know. Did you know those areas were middle class at mm-hmm. one point? Like yeah. not even fifty years back, these were the middle class areas. Yeah. Yes. I had no idea, bro. Yes. It was a lot of power where we were. Yeah. You know, and that's where I believe <coughs> and, and sorry to get so sidetracked, but I, I have to hit on this because this is a project I want to do in the future. Yeah. Um two things. There's two types of pride here in Mobile that is like way more prevalent than I've seen anywhere else I've been. There's that school pride, and then there's that church pride. Uh, and what I mean by both is that school spirit is real. Like, look at LaFleur, their reunion that they throw every year. Mm-hmm. Look at Battle of the Bands every year that we have here. Always. Oh, my God. Look, because, and then, like, it was, it was instilled in us, that pride, and I didn't get it until I got to this age. And I'm like, this is all black history. These are... When I found out and did, because uh, my fifth grade teacher, Miss Johnson, shout out to you, she selected all the black schools, the the black named, or uh, the schools named after black students, like Blunt, uh, Maddie T. Blunt, uh, Williamson, LaFleur, um, all the schools we had to do papers on. It was like 35 of us in the class, so each one of us had a different school. And it was for the black history program. And I got LaFleur. Everybody was mad at me because I got LaFleur. And I'm like, y'all, it's just another school, but... Even then, hearing those histories mm-hmm. of, of these great black people here being honored by a school and they're attended to by these black students, by these black teachers, by these black principals was amazing, bro. Like these people that we have high schools after were superheroes, bro. Yeah. These were our Captain Americas, our, our, our Tony Starks and everything. And I often think like, what if somebody was to do like a, a comic on these people, you know? But we'll talk about that later. Yeah, yeah. But um, man, look, I didn't know that. I didn't. I didn't know. Yeah, that. So, bro. You know, I, I graduated from Sassoon. Oh, okay. Sassoon. I graduated from Theodore. So. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so it's just like I wasn't a part of that culture. So the culture I was part of was the hoods. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Happy Hill versus you know oh, everybody. Man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? The Orange yellow Grove. flags. Thank you, babe. Orange Grove, Roger Williams, RV. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to shout out nobody hood. Right, right. Like that. You know what I mean? But um, growing up, that that I saw that pride more than I did mm-hmm. the school pride. But I guess it's just because of the kind of schools. Because I went to primarily black schools all my life until I lived with my grandma and I went to Sassoon. Uh, I went to Pillins. I went to <laughs> You know, when, when Mertz went, when it was, you know, black. Mm-hmm. <laughs> When it was, because it is not like that. It's like a preparatory school. No, almost yeah. like, I don't know what it is, but it is not what it was when I went there. Right. It was before they built it. It was, we were still going out in portables and stuff. It was the ghetto. I'm talking right. about Donnie Hathaway. The Ooh. ghetto. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I went I went to some some rough schools or what have you. And I remember Pillars particularly, which was a lot of the trauma that I had growing mm-hmm. up as a kid happened. Because I didn't fight back a lot. Bro. I just let people beat me. What was it about middle school? I don't. Maybe hormones. Or it had to be something because it was turning niggas into super saiyans. And <laughs> everybody was aggressive, bro. Yeah. I, I don't know because Farmville, 
dealt with bullying, I can manage it. Had a few fights, dealt with it, you know, I was cool. But sixth grade, going to Booker T? Escalated. First time I, I told you uh, when we was at the, the, the housewoman with Kay that first time I got a knife pulled out on me, mm -hmm. middle school. Exactly. I was just walking down the hallway. And that's the reason why I let my ass get whooped at, right. at Pillings. I just, because I knew how far they were willing to take it mm -hmm. over something so little. You know what I mean? So I just let people just come up and punch me in my face or on my stomach or something like that. I just get beat and I just walk away because I knew that it could escalate. Because mm -hmm. come on, if I fall back and you got whooped by the lame kid, the lame nerdy kid, you not gonna live around school like that. Right. Not with no hope you gonna do something to me right. to try to redeem yourself. So I'm just gonna go ahead and take it. I'm gonna take this L. And honestly, I didn't really have the heart to fight. I didn't like hurting others. Right. I was always a softie. When I finally did fight back, I never forget this. And he, I should have been like grown Ledrick looking back in hindsight. Mm -hmm. I should have put the paws on. I'm talking about the, <laughs> the circle of life. I'm talking right. about Lion King paws on that boy. Because he spit on my food. He slapped me so hard the whole cafeteria got quiet. And that was really embarrassing. Mm -hmm. He did a whole bunch. And I just let all that happen. I was like, you know what? I'm on home anyway. Mm. And mm -hmm. I just tried to sit there. And he was just like, nope. You're going to take that too. And I was just like. Okay, <laughs> mm -hmm. and I finally fall back because everyone threatened to jump me and said, "Listen, we tired of you being a punk. If you don't, if you don't fight back, we gonna get you. You at least gotta go thirty seconds." I went thirty seconds with bro. I beat him up, and I I boohoo cried, and everyone uh, was looking at me weird, and I kind of like feigned a sickle cell crisis. I blamed it on my sickle cell. I mean, on my disease. Uh, as to why I was crying, but the real reason why I was crying was I was really hurt that I hit him. You know, I won that fight, but in in my heart, I lost it. Because mm -hmm. after that, I didn't see him the same. Every time I would see him, he looked like he was afraid of me. Mm -hmm. And that, that kind of like, like that, I don't, I'm not. That's not what you want. That's not me at all. Like, why can't we just talk? Why can't we just play? I was still a kid. Right. They was grown, having sex. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Being fast. I'm not even going to lie. I was fast, too, because I ended up losing my virginity in eighth grade. <laughs> I was fast, too, but, you know what I mean? That's not what I wanted to be. I just wanted to have fun, but my environment limited Won't choices. Let you. Yeah, and it just how dare of, you? The yeah. audacity of you wanting to enjoy life. It the audacity of me wanting to enjoy life. Watch Dragon Ball Z. You remember back in the days we used to just draw like the mm. Dragon Ball Z character and sell like the best. Yep. Like whoever the best. could trace the best or could draw the best could say you could make some money at school, mm, right? Bro. That's what I was caring about. Pokemon. You used to put it on your folder. You know, the little folder had the little yo. clear part you slide it in there. Yeah, yeah. I was mm -hmm. like, I got right. this right here. Super Saiyan 18. Go. Right, <laughs> right. Niggas ain't never seen this. They ain't gonna be ready for this. They're not. <laughs> My first picture I drew uh, for Dragon Ball Z. I never forget was from the Cell Saga. It was uh, when Vegeta turned Super Saiyan for the first time. Mm -hmm. It was, it was, I drew that photo mm -hmm. when he, I think he told Android, uh, do you experience fear? And I put it in the little caption bubble above it, man. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I'll never forget that. Did yeah. you sell that or you keep it? I sold it. How much you sold it for? $5. Five dollars. That's at least five dollars. That's at least a dollar. Right, right. That was that was that was back then man. prices, man. But yeah, you know, you man. Traced that and then resold that. You man, I had I had snacks for the week off that uh, Boy, picture. That was the hustle. Dragon Ball Z, uh, and you know, low key, cause I I, I you know I congregated with a lot. We had to stay low key at Pillars the Nerds mm -hmm. and just Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Oh yeah. Back then I hated Yu-Gi-Oh. I don't know why. I just, what? I was just a huge. Po I felt like Yu-Gi-Oh was like a threat to Pokemon for some reason. 
And so I was hmm. just like, Pokemon it, it was, Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh! was next up. Because I, I, I collected some Pokemon for a little bit, but then my mom got on that wave of, oh, this is the devil. Poke, uh, Pokemon, I mean, Poke, Pocket Monsters, Pocket Monsters is devils. And I'm like, I heard that before, too. I'm like, mama. You're reaching. Yeah, like, I'm like, you're mama. you finna get crossed up. Mama. <laughs> you, oh, my mom burned reaching? my Pokemon cards, bro. Ooh, I had a holographic ooh, Charizard. Ooh, you had a holographic. You know how much that's worth today? Yes, sir, it... That is worth so much money today. I got it in a pack, bro. You remember you used to buy the little... Oh, man. I'm I got hurt. a holographic I'm Charizard. Hurt. I'm hurt. I don't know where you at. We love you. Right. But why? Right. You know how much those is worth now? Yeah, dog. Thousands of dollars, yes. bro. You can have yes. a whole brand new car, I, a house. I had a stack of about that thick, brother. And she yeah. burned them. She burned them. That's horrible. So from that, I got into Magic the Gathering. Magic the Gathering oh, yeah, was yeah, pretty yeah. cool. And then, but then Yu-Gi-Oh popped up out of nowhere. And then that just took, everyone was like super hype on. They Bruh. didn't want it that, they wanted that, that dragon. I forgot what it was called. Uh, Blue Eyes, White Blue Dragon. Blue Eyes, White, White Dragon. Everyone wanted that dragon. And if you got that, you can get you some money from it. Mm-hmm. There was, a, there were cards. The uh, anime. Dragon Ball Z, yeah, the anime. Mm-hmm. And uh, Burnt CDs. That's all I like Burnt CDs. Burnt CDs, Burnt CDs was the economy what? in middle school. Yes, I had, indeed. I, I had to have that. You know what I mean? Because I used to ride my bike everywhere in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And you know what I'm saying? You, you cost a little bit of change, add it up and go where you want to go. And then you want to go to the gas station and get something to eat, right? Got to mm-hmm. have those for that. My man ain't giving you bread. Nope. Not at all. <laughs> you know Not what I mean? at all. Them were the days, man. What do kids do nowadays? I don't know, man. They don't know the struggle of having a CD player. And having to get new batteries to put in the CD player, yes. freezing those batteries so you can have it for like another day or so, man, they don't know. Yeah. They don't know tapping on it make your CD skip. Yeah, they don't know. They won't know. They won't know. And that's good. Then you know what? That's good because I'm for it because that means I ain't gotta go through it no more. Because that's frustrating. <laughs> what to deal with as a kid? I hate it because you know you if it happened, if it broke, or if it didn't work right, well at least I ain't getting it again. Right. So you we had to take care of it. You know what I mean? Because stuff like that. I mean, I don't know because I was a kid. Where according to mama, it was too expensive. Right. You know what I mean? So and our kids just like break a tablet, a whole tablet, and just right. be like, "Can I get another one?" And just be like, just. It's different. But right. I knew inherently I ain't getting this anymore. All right, right. <laughs> I think uh, my first experience was uh, my mom stopped buying electronics for me. Because when I was like eight or 10, I went through that phase. I, I love taking stuff apart to see how it worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I could put it back together. But my mom was like, hmm, I'm not going to buy you that many electronics just for you to take it apart. 